Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Welcome to Exploring Missions, connecting mission needs with those equipped by God to meet those needs across the world or across town. And now the host of Exploring Missions, Bert Harper. Have you ever heard of a church building construction project taking 400 years? Well, we're going to discuss a little bit of that reality today. Uh, Our guest today on Exploring Missions is Wade Trump, and Wade is here at the beautiful Billy Graham Training Center at the Cove, and we're just enjoying being here. We're meeting all kinds of people, so we're taking this opportunity to record and and to get to know them so you can get to know them because they are launching some projects that are missional and evangelistic in purpose, and we want to share that with you. And so today we're going to talk to Wade about the possibility of a church in Jamestown, Virginia. Now, if Jamestown, Virginia sounds like something you studied in history, it is, right, Wade? It is definitely something you studied in history, especially in sixth or seventh grade in social studies or in any kind of class that taught the history of America. Now, if you watched Walt Disney's Pocahontas, you you didn't get the real deal, okay? It may have been a neat little story. But it's the, the real story is better than that, right, Absolutely. Wade? Absolutely. And if you really know the truth of the true Pocahontas, um, I, again, she was once again one that uh, just was evangelical herself. She reached out to the colonists, and it was because of her goodwill that literally saved literally the colonists from starvation. Amen. And so God's purpose, I, I always love to say this, Wade, before, if, when you go out on God's mission, God goes before you. Yes, and that was true with Pocahontas being there. Absolutely. And, and for those colonists in Jamestown. Absolutely. Well, let's go back. What, let's talk about what, what the project is. Okay. And then we'll discuss, bring it from the 1600s up right. to today. But the project is to have a building there. that a worship center and a Christian Heritage Museum, which would house 400 years of Christian history, revivals and whatnot, to give God and the people uh, the evidence uh, first of all, how Christianity has changed the climate of our nation, even in the worst times where someone would come forth with the gospel message and literally turn the entire nation, the entire um, climate of America, back to God. And that's what we've been known over the years to be called an awakening or revivals in America. Um, again, going back to the original uh, 1607, it was May the 13th when three ships came to um, the shores of Virginia and started something that called James Fort, which later became Jamestown, uh, named after the King of England. Um, Obviously from there, there was a pastor that was on that ship. His name was Reverend Robert Hunt, who was the first minister in America. Robert Hunt. And gave the first communion on, he was Episcopal uh, pastor from the Church of England, gave first communion or Eucharist on, I believe it was 24th of May, 1607 on what they call Whit Sunday. Okay. Now Whit Sunday is Pentecost. So now imagine they're starting a new country, and here is Reverend Robert Hunt who gives first communion to the settlers, kneeling on a bench, and giving them first communion on Pentecost Sunday. 
This is what gives me great hope, Bert, that, that God had a plan from the very conception of this nation and covenant that we have not seen the kind of revival we're going to see based on the fact, as we know, Pentecost is Acts chapter 2, and how that changed right. everything and the climate of a nation. You know what? This really intrigues me because as we were talking earlier, when I heard about Jamestown, when I was getting my education, even reading it, until recently, we just knew of Jamestown as a secular uh, body coming over here to get rich while the pilgrims up at Plymouth had come over for religious freedom. Correct. Now, the religious freedom may or may not have been the issue at Jamestown, but it certainly wasn't secular by itself. It had a realm to it of trying to make sure that God was in this place. Absolutely. Reverend Robert Hunt would give sermons every day which the settlers were required to attend. Now, the, the book of prayer was the, the, wor the work uh, from the Church of England that actually Reverend Robert Hunt would read from. It was a daily, you know, devotional to, for those settlers. So to think for any time that it wasn't a religious type of um, environment for those early uh, settlers is a false statement. Yeah. Well, any time. We were just listening to a sermon right before we came out to take this about along with the light you have darkness you know yes the light overcomes mm -hmm. the darkness but it's difficult there in in the darkest place god has light mm -hmm. and god had light there and they even started a construction of a of a church is yes. that what i understand yeah, tell us about uh, not only that but how it was found because it had not we did not know right. this until more recently. Yeah. Did so it? in 1607, when Robert Hunt came to have the first services, he took the sails from one of the ship, and they, they cut down, uh, you know, or bows is what they would call it, from either pine trees or whatnot, and put those sails on top. And the congregation would be underneath the sails of the ship. Now, later they put what they called for the second, so to speak, church, was a barn-like structure. Uh, and then they decided, because that burnt down, um, to make a structure that was uh, actually, I believe it's like 40 by 60. It was the first solid church or permanent church in America built in 1608. Okay. This is the same church that in 1614 on May, April the 5th, Pocahontas and John Roth, the first interracial marriage between the English and indigenous occurred in this church that was built in 1608. Now, they now built let's, let's hold on right there. When we go to Plymouth, we see 1620. Mm -hmm. So this was all taking place 12 years before 1620. I'm doing my math. Yeah, yeah. So and the reason I want to do that, I, I want to see America's heritage is not just Plymouth, which is awesome and oh, great, it is. the it's awesome. Mayflower Compact, but we see God working down in the southern part as well. Absolutely. And after the 1608 church, which they called the Pretty Little Chapel, uh, they built the 1617 church, which literally in 1620, uh, our 1619 is when they um, actually developed our government for the United States of America on in James Fort on at Jamestown. So you have the government was there um, in 1619. The first 20 Africans were offloaded by a Dutch ship, which later, as we know, migrated into something we called slavery. Right. All this took place. The bride ship in 1619 came to start families at Jamestown. So you have all these intricate before even, like you say, Plymouth happened, there were certain things of society being built, our government, our social structure, everything. 
And we want you to continue telling that story because what happens in these times is in our what we've been taught in history, we have people who are listening today that said, we didn't know that. Mm-hmm. And, and the museum will bring that out. Right. See, the thing is, is that there were in a two-mile radius of Jamestown. Jamestown was like, uh, it, was a, it was a piece of property that was surrounded by water. Uh, uh, you know, and there was actually five churches built at James Fort. Later, they built a sixth one, which was off about two miles, which was called the Church on the Main, which was built in 1750 and lasted until 1800 when the last services were held there um, right after the American Revolution. The last pastor to preach full-time at Jamestown Island, where our Judeo-Christian faith was birthed, his name was Reverend James Madison, the fifth president of the College of William and Mary, and his cousin, James Madison, became our president. Now, say that again. We want to hear this because, you know, the founding fathers, James Madison. There was another James Madison. There was another James Madison, the cousin of Reverend James Madison, who really was the fifth president of William and Mary College in Williamsburg, Virginia. Um, So in 1800, believe this or not, there has not been within that two-mile radius a church that's there seven days a week preaching and proclaiming the gospel from the birthplace, the very covenant spot of our Judeo-Christian faith in America hasn't been preached seven days a week in 217 years. There hasn't been a church there. Now, if you went to Jerusalem and didn't find a Christian church there, how would you feel about your faith? Well, well, this is our Jerusalem, and it's not talking about replacement theology. What it's talking about is we are a branch of Jerusalem, and from Jerusalem comes Jamestown. It is our Jerusalem where our faith began. And God gave you this burden? How how many years ago, Ned? 22 years ago, we just celebrated March 31st, our 22nd anniversary. We're called Jamestown Christian Fellowship, which the Lord gave us that name because he asked me in the initial stages of coming out of a business world when I was 37, I said, God, there's so many other great people out here. Why are you, why do you, why are you calling me to be a pastor? I'm a businessman. He says, because I'm sending you to a nation to pollinate over the airways my love to change a nation from its birthplace. Now, again, I go to Jamestown and I notice that there is no churches at Jamestown. And really, there's no talk of God per se. And so my heart from the very beginning was to build a church at Jamestown. And also now it's come into a place where we're going to build the Christian Heritage Museum along with this God campus that we're going to build. And we'll be the seventh church built within that two-mile radius, 217 years after the last minister, Reverend James Madison, preached. Okay. Now, what we're doing in this program, we want people to know about this. Mm -hmm. And they want to know more. Yes, there's a possibility of knowing more through your Absolutely. website. Well, we just got, a, again, a contract in December of this year to be able to purchase this 10-acre piece of land, which is commercial property. It's the only piece at Jamestown. There are not a lot of acreages no. available, no. right? And this is the closest thing to the island. So we put a contract in December. Then we started a website and so that people could quickly get this information because we're a church of less than 100, Bert, and, of course, we're looking at a campus that's $23 million. Do the math <laughs> and go to a bank and ask them for this money. They'd laugh us out. And so right. we're asking the body of Christ to come in and help us build a campus for them 
so that they can actually come and experience Jamestown, but not only that, be able to pray and worship at the birthplace of our Judeo-Christian faith. And so we put a website together. It's www.christianhistorynow.com. Say it one more time. And as my producer always says, say it slowly. Okay. So www.christianhistorynow.com. To let people know how this works and how the museum can be an evangelistic missional tool, tell us how close it is to Williamsburg. How close? Most folks know about Williamsburg. Uh, we, our, our president gives tours to Williamsburg, mm-hmm. and Jamestown's kind of off the offshoot, but it's about uh, four miles from downtown Williamsburg. Okay, so you're looking at people who automatically will come to Williamsburg just to mm-hmm. see the colonial life that they had and right there by there will be a museum concerning the christian heritage and you said it's going to be evangelistic similar to the billy graham museum every when we when we the lord said when they when they ride on this particular piece of campus i want them to have awe of how good i am and how much i love them so everything visually is going to be evangelistic i mean even down to the designs I mean, uh, the 1617 church that I mentioned was the, the third church down at Jamestown. The architects have actually placed this within the context of our drawings to build a updated, you know, take them back in history, but give them all the new bells and whistles that we are so blessed to have in the 21st century. So, yes, it is evangelistic from the second you walk into the Welcome Center to the time you go into the church, the time you go into the, uh, the museum, it's going to have past revivals, past awakenings, people who led them when our country was at their worst spot. And then people raised up and said, no, Jesus, come forth. And people came into the kingdom of God in the thousands throughout the 400-year history of our church. So all that's going to be evidenced there, and hopefully with the help of the Billy Graham Association and some of the abilities they've had through their museums to incorporate there at Jamestown. When we see this and we're having people who listen and they're like me, the history just grabs them. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I was intrigued. I learned. And there may be people wanting to combine history and evangelism and missions. Mm-hmm. Perfect opportunity. Absolutely. So in other words, we want to welcome visitors that obviously are not Christian. But by the time they walk through these three sections of this this L-shaped campus, they're going to be so touched at the heart just by people that love them. Like we're here at the Billy Graham, you know, at the Cove. I mean, the people here are so nice. They're smiling. I mean, you just feel love. That's what we want at Jamestown. We want the body of Christ to have a home to come to that we serve them when they come, our church, Jamestown Christian Fellowship, and make them feel like they've come home and they can pray to God right at where it all started you know, um, well, almost 410 years later, come May 13th. May 13th. Wade, thank you for being with us. Thank you for God giving you the vision and now a church. And you're asking Christians all over to help make this possible. Right, absolutely. Uh, by July the 31st, we have to come up with $700,000 to purchase the land. That's the key piece, people. Please pray. If you can't give a penny or a dollar or whatever, when you go on the website, uh, there's a place to see the video, and then, of course, there's a place to donate. So I'm just asking anybody and everybody, the little pennies, dimes, quarters, thousands, millions, if you have it, to help us build this campus for you, the body of Christ in America. Just go to www. 
ChristianHistoryNow.com. Watch the video. And if God leads you to, to donate into this to give us the chance to purchase this land by July the 31st, that's our window. 2017. Come up with $700,000 to purchase it and have that done. Then we start with the $23 million to build the home for God right there for people to come. Amen. And that website is ChristianHistoryNow.com. ChristianHistoryNow.com. Wade, I want to thank you for being with us today on Exploring Missions. It's a blessing, Bert. God bless you and what you do, too. Thank you so much for everything. When Paul heard the Macedonian call, what was on the other side? What was waiting? Uh, Nathan, I always wonder, when I surrendered to preach, quote, surrendered to preach, when I was about 19 years old, mm. uh, that was a long time ago, right? Well, <laughs> I'm afraid so. I, but I can remember it like That's it was good. yesterday. You can remember. Yeah, That's I really remember. Good. But I didn't know what was on the other side. Yeah. You know, Paul heard the Macedonian call, and he did not know what was up there. He had been in Asia Minor, you know? Yeah. He had been in that territory. Which he is modern day Turkey. Yeah. In case you're wondering. He, yeah. He is from Troas, which is a part of that, you know? Yeah. So the culture was similar. But he was going to cross over and go into Europe with a different culture, closer to Rome, yep. less less Jewish. Yep. The further the further uh, west you would go in that from there, the less Jewish it would be. So one of the places he comes to is Philippi. Mm-hmm. Now, part of Paul's missionary strategy, and I think you ought to have strategy. We won't go into that. We've talked to that on other programs. We've talked to that. But his one of his strategies was go to the local synagogue. Yes. What was the problem in Philippi? There were no, there was no synagogue. There were not enough Jewish men to form one. Okay. So what about a church? Here, here is a guy. He moves to Alaska to a small town, and there's no church there. There's no church building there. Yep. That means they can't have church. Well, and. I, that's what a lot of people might think. Yeah. Um, but church is not the building, is it? Oh, me. Okay, you're getting correct. <laughs> they're important, and God's used them, and they're beautiful, and many times they represent a lot. I, I know a lot of churches that relocate from downtown, but there's something about having a presence of a church building, and, and, yeah, and I'm going to go ahead and say it with a steeple reaching mm-hmm. to the heavens, downtown. It, it just speaks. It 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 you know it speaks to something. Uh, I, I've seen several churches that way. They'll be surrounded by skyscrapers, but right in downtown, there's one Brooklyn Tabernacle. Mm. Down, I mean, it's there. Its presence is real. But more important than those buildings are the people, and that's, that's right. what we're getting to. And in Philippi, since there was no synagogue, no building, does that mean there's no believers there? There were some followers of of Jehovah there. Where were they meeting? Down by the riverside. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds like a good song. And uh, so Lydia, I love Philippi, the church. It throws all all of our preconceived ideas away. Who was leading? It wasn't a man. It wasn't one of the elders. It was a woman, a seller of purple, a businesswoman. And she she wasn't even from Philippi. No. And uh, but she was there and in business, and she had started a. She planted a. Let me see. What it wasn't a church by then, but she planted a Bible study group, a worshiping group, 
And so Paul went to her. So when he was building the church in Philippi, he didn't start out with buildings. He started with people. That's true. He didn't have a synagogue to go to. And when he got there, it wasn't a man leading it. It was a lady leading it. And it was a group it. of women. Uh, verse. This is Acts 16, um, verse 13. Uh, yeah, they went on the Sabbath day, which is you know part of the strategy. But we went outside the city gate by the river where we thought there was a place of prayer. We sat down and spoke to the women gathered there. So it was just <laughs> women that were there. The women's yeah. group. That's right. Did I, you know you could you could start churches with only women? Amen. It's been done many times. Amen. <laughs> uh, listen, don't you hear us here criticizing leadership for women? That's right. uh, we believe in it. There's, I think, there's positions that are best suited, but God's not going to be held up since there was no synagogue there. They met on the river. Since there was no men able to lead, He got Lydia. God's purpose. Not going to be limited uh, with some of these uh, restrictions that we may want to put on ourselves. Yeah, and that's what we're doing. We're holding ourselves back. We are. So here's the church at Philippi. And again, if you get the feeling that I enjoy this, I do. I love the church at Philippi. Uh, it's my favorite church of all the. I love Antioch and I love Ephesus. But when I read about the church at Philippi, I get excited about it. Okay, if you were going to build a church today, you. Uh, you may not want to do go where Paul went. He went to the riverside, and then he went to the streets, <laughs> right? Yeah. And, and it says it in verse 16, that happened as we went to prayer that a certain slave girl possessed with a spirit of divination met us who brought her masters much profit by fortune telling. This girl followed Paul and us and cried and saying to us, these men are the servants of the Most High God who proclaim to us the way of salvation. To go on. It annoyed her and annoyed him and annoyed him. And finally, he cast out the devil in the name of Jesus Christ. Come out of her. That's what he says in verse 18. And he came out that very hour. And they were upset with him. <laughs> the people who owned the girl, yeah. uh, their profit margin was That's going right. to drop, wasn't it? Yep. Because she had been delivered. But what I want to get, we're not necessarily talking about that in detail, but we're talking about setting up a church and starting a church in Philippi. It was different than any of the other churches that Paul had ever gone to. He'd, normally, he would go to the synagogue, and he would give his credentials of who he was. They'd hear him. Some would believe. Some would not. Some would say, we want to hear more of that matter. And he'd keep sharing, and he would establish a church from that synagogue. But in Philippi, it was turned on its head. Right. Sometimes you, <clears throat> sometimes your strategy that you have has to be put on a shelf. Well, you, in missions, especially cross-cultural work, you have to be flexible. That's like the number one rule: flexibility. Because um, one, you have to be flexible because of the context and the cultures that you're working with. But more than that, you have to be flexible enough to follow the Holy Spirit. You know, uh, is it the ancient Celts called the Holy Spirit? The wild goose. <laughs> Have you ever heard going on a wild goose chase? When you're following Jesus and and trying to keep in step with the Spirit, it's like trying to catch a wild goose. You got to be flexible. I'm going to bring us back to worship. Me being a pastor, I, I love to do this. <clears throat> the minister of music that I first uh, found this out. He was the worship leader, and we were talking about the the ministry and the you know the schedule. Mm. 
And we came up with the idea, Nathan, called planned spontaneity. Yeah. <clears throat> and I just used that, and I found out it was true. And uh, his name was Terry Hurt, great guy. We served together 10 years. <clears throat> and we just, when we had it, we'd say, we want to do this and do this. But more than that, when God interrupts, we we can stop or we can change and we can turn. Yeah. That's true with missions as well. Uh, it's the, it's the, uh, the essential task of the missionary is to follow the lead of the Holy Spirit, to listen and then be flexible and uh, nimble enough to, to follow. And he'll equip you to do it, but it starts with uh, yeah, that surrendered spirit. It starts with uh, dependence on God in prayer. And we see Paul you know, starting out in this chapter of Acts 16. He's praying and he's, he's seeking the Lord, and the Lord gives him this call, this, this vision of a man from Macedonia saying, come over to us. I believe we're about to get, you know, we've talked about uh, Lydia, the, the lady businesswoman. We talked about the, the slave girl. We're about to talk about a man, uh, the Philippian jailer. Some believe that the vision that Paul had of a man from Macedonia was this man Amen. in his vision. So <clears throat> they complain about Paul. They take him to jail. There's an earthquake. <clears throat> the jailer's about to kill himself because he thinks they've all <laughs> escaped. By right. the way, they were singing hymns before the earthquake. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, that always blesses me as well. They were worshiping. The jailer heard it. Well, you know, praise, um, and we don't have much time, but I'll just say this. Praise is not ultimately not for God. God doesn't need it. I mean, what does God need? He needs nothing. He doesn't need me. He doesn't need me to sing. He wants me to. He likes it, but he doesn't need it. Praise is not ultimately for God. It's not ultimately for me, although I, there's a lot of benefit in that. I believe praise is ultimately a witness to the world. Amen. And that's what is demonstrated here is Paul and Silas would, pr- would praise the Lord even in difficult circumstances. Mm-hmm. This jailer would hear their, their singing and the other other inmates, I guess. I had a pastor to ask me one time, when you're at church, who are you trying to impress? Mm-hmm. It really caught me off guard. And uh, <clears throat> he said, I hope you're not trying to impress one another, you know. Yeah. And he said, I hope you're not trying to impress God. What would impress God? He said, what you're wanting to do <clears throat> is impress those that don't know God. Yeah. You're right. impressing them with your love for them. Yeah, so, I mean, think about where— to plant a church, where do, where does a church start? Um, well, according to this model, either down by the river, outside the city gates, or in the city streets, or here in jail, anywhere God can can start a church. And I I will just mention this: that wasn't Paul's ultimate goal. Was not his ultimate goal was not to plant a church. Um, if our desire is to plant a church. I believe we're missing the mark. Uh, first of all, our first goal should be to make disciples. That's what we're commanded to do. Jesus said, I will build my church, but he gives us the command to make disciples of all the nations. I think secondly, if we're only wanting to plant a church, not multiple churches, I think we're missing what God has in his heart of that of, of multiplication and multi- multiplied fruit all over the world. We want to see a churches that plant churches that will plant more churches. And that's what happens here in Philippi, actually. It does. And there's so many examples in the Bible of strong churches. And one of those is the church at Philippi. It started out with most of the people not being very religious. That's right, yeah. 
and they had less problems than any. <laughs> Isn't that so, interesting? It is. Thank you for listening to Exploring Missions today, and we pray that God would use you in carrying out His great commission to all the world, whether it's home, whether it's around the world, but be faithful to share and make much of Jesus. Thank you.